Hey, well, we're pleased to be joined by Travis Brown, who he's covered the Texas A&M Aggies for a long, long time at the Bryant College Station Eagle. And you got to give him a follow at Travis underscore L underscore Brown. Travis, thank you so much for joining me for the first time. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. And hey, like I was just saying uh, off air here, you know, we like to stick to football. This is strictly an SEC football show, but I got to ask you about basketball because I know you were up there for the NIT up in New York City. And I know normally that sometimes the NIT, it's kind of like, uh, who cares? But man, I saw Aggies were all over this thing. It was such a tremendous uh, tournament. And you got to go up there to New York City, City and cover the event. So what was that like? Man, it was fun. You know, I, I've covered the, the NCAA tournament before back when AM was there in, you know, 2016 and 2018. And it's it's fun because it's the NCAA tournament and it's exciting. But man, it, it's it's like an away game for those teams when you're there in the NCAA tournament because, you know, you just go to the hotel, you're in. Dayton or Oklahoma City or whatever, and you kind of just hang around the hotel and you play your games and leave. Man, especially since they won, they were up there for a whole week, and it's it's kind of like a bowl experience, as close as you can for these basketball players because they get to walk around the city, they get to go to the museums, they get to you know. I think Buzz took the team to the Lion King one of the first nights they were there. So I mean, it's as close as like a football bowl experience where you know those football players get to go and see some sights and do some stuff in town as you can. So I think for the players in that regard, it's, it's about as cool as of anything you can do in basketball off the court. Um, and then on the court, I mean, you're playing in Madison square garden, a historic venue. Um, it, it, it's cool. You know, it's, it's cooler than, than I, I thought it was. I think, like you said, there's a little bit of a stigma with the NIT because it is kind of the, the consolation tournament, but from the experience realm, um, getting to go and do all that as, as a player, I think it's awesome. And then to tie it back into football again, when you make a wrong, long run in the NIT, especially with a young team like AM has, it's like bowl practice. I mean, they get to be on the court practicing, being together, uh, building the building blocks for next season uh, longer than, than, I mean, if you compare it to the NCAA tournament, they're, they're, they're getting to do that as long as any team uh, that makes it to the final four. Cause there was really only the final four left uh, besides the NIT finals. So um, yeah, great experience for everyone. And uh, I think it is, I mean, you look at, at the, um, the tenures of, of coaches, a lot of times the NIT is a springboard into a, a run for years to come in the NCAA tournament. And so I think that's what Aggie fans are, are hoping this will be. Yeah. And maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised because we all know how passionate that A&M fan base is, but I mean, the fans were out and like I said, you know, they were celebrating the the deep run into the NIT all the way literally to a man, a basket went in and out, could have won the championship. But uh, next season, hopefully Buzz Williams and company back in the postseason in the NCAA tournament. But hey, I got to ask you about the tournament that uh, that the Aggies have yet to been to. And that's, of course, the college football playoff ever so close in 2020. Uh, what's your thoughts on all this preseason expectation, Travis? I don't, I'm sure you've seen it because you cover this team on a daily basis, but a lot of people have the Aggies as a top 10 team. Some people have them as high as top five. What's uh, I know I know that's so far down the road, but do you think that that kind of top 10 talk is warranted at this time for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies? I mean, I think it's it's there's a little added um bit of that when you do bring in the 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 number one 
class of all time, according to, you know, 247's composite. Uh, I, I think it depends on, I, I think that they're getting those rankings based on potential, which I mean, I guess almost all preseason rankings are that, but, but especially um, this program, because they're going to have to rely on some of those five-star um, freshmen to step right in and, and, and fill the role. And they're going to have to, um, find a quarterback who, who is consistent. And, and I mean, they have the options with Haynes King and Max Johnson and, and um, the freshman Connor Wigman uh, battling it out for, for that. But um, th- there is still a lot of question marks, but I think that they're, they're not, well, I don't know who's going to fill this spot. It's who, who out of this large deck of options is going to fill these spots. And um, so I, I think you could say that, those rankings are off of potential, but I think the potential is there. If you look at how highly rated a lot of these guys coming in are and, and how highly rated the guys who have been there a little bit were when they were coming in, uh, it's just a matter of putting the pieces together um, and making them mesh and especially defensively. And then you have to look too, because they are bringing in a new defensive coordinator and DJ Durkin, who is not Mike Elko, but is highly regarded and, and see how everything meshes around how he wants to do defense, because uh, you could pretty much hang your hat on Mike Elko's defenses over the last uh, two or three years here in college station. And, and so those are kind of the, the question marks, but like I said, they're, 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 they're questions that have a lot of answers. It's not questions that, that you just don't know where the answer is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And you know, I wanted to ask you this because um, Jimbo is at times a very passionate guy, and we've already seen this offseason comments from Lane Kiffin, comments from Nick Saban, comments from Kirby Smart. What's your read on just what you know covering the team and, and Jimbo and kind of his, particularly right after signing day, I mean, he came out here and was firing brimstone, a man about, about people calling him out. And I know for a fact Jimbo – he works his butt off on recruiting. I mean, he, he's in the he's in the car. He's on the phone with the recruit, and that's just his lifestyle. That's the way you got to be if you're going to recruit in the SEC and you're going to haul in the number one class. So, do you think there is any uh, some real animosity there, or is this maybe just some gamesmanship here? I think it's probably a little bit more gamesmanship. He's come back. You know, they had the SEC coaches meetings a couple weeks, and and we asked him kind of jokingly about if any. Uh, there was any any kerfuffles or anything there and he said no everything's good i think that um i think that you know to talk about whatever if if AM had put up some huge amounts of money for the recruiting class and paid for the recruiting class i mean that's just some of that is uh, is 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 counter recruiting is is uh negative recruiting some of that is lane kiffin just being lane kiffin and and making cracking jokes um, so I, you know, I, I think that Jimbo felt like he needed to set the record straight, um, to defend his, his recruiting staff, his assistant coaches, because I mean, they are all over the place, like you said, doing the work and recruiting and building the relationships. And there's something to that. So I think he felt the need to defend that, but I think ultimately the, the, the banter and the back and forth, it was more fun than actual, um, malice. And, and so, I, you know, it'll probably get brought back up when AM and Ole Miss are squaring off and some of those things. But I I think it's going to be um, to the coaches. It's going to be old news by then. I think it's just uh, I don't want to say it's just uh, them having fun, but I think it's it's not much further than that. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's good for you and I, Travis, certainly in the offseason, so keep it coming. But uh, speaking of Lane Kiffin, I know this is unrelated to, to A&M, but, man, that man loves to go for it on fourth down. And I wanted to ask you about Jimbo and his last season in particular, his, his philosophy on fourth down. The Aggies only went for it ten times on fourth down. That was the fewest in the SEC. Do you think that's more of a product of uh, – you know, maybe they didn't have full trust in their quarterbacks because because obviously there were some issues there, injuries and, and everything with that. But do you think Jimbo needs to get a little bit more aggressive on fourth down? Because it, it just seems like that's the way the game's going. But he, he And he's particularly called out these uh, analytics and all this. It, so I don't know. What's your thought on, on Jimbo and, and his adversity to fourth down, I guess you could call it? Well, I think you could look at it the same way on two different sides of the coin. Yeah, they they didn't really have a great quarterback situation last year. They were really, really bad on third down. Um, and and so I, I think you could look on it, look at it that way a little bit and say, yeah, um, you know, that's that's might not be the best situation to put the the quarterback, the offensive end offense in. But on the other hand, their defense was really good. It was one of the best in the SEC. And so I think that there was a little bit of thought there that if they're gonna um, when a ball, if they're going to lean on a side of the ball to win a ball game, they're always going to lean on the defense. I mean, I, before I came to cover AM, I covered TCU and that was kind of, you know, Gary Patterson was always a, a strong defensive mind and everything that, and it was the same way with him. I mean, it didn't matter, um, kind of what the actual ranking of his defense was. If there was a situation where to go for it or to punt late in a game, he was always going to punt because he was going to lean on his defense to, um, to, to win the ball game. I, I don't think Jimbo necessarily is the same fully in that regard, but I think when you look at what they had last year, their defense is what was winning them ball games. And so they were going to let the defense win ball games for them. I, it could change if they come out and have a really high powered offense with what they bring back and the quarterback is flying and they can do that. Sure, they might they might go for it a little bit more, but I really think it has a lot to do with with the personnel. And, and I just don't think they had they really didn't have late down personnel on offense last year that that was able to consistently do anything. So I think that's why they were saying, hey, let's let's let the defense um, win ball games for us. Mm -hmm. Now, you already referenced the quarterback competition. You know, we all assume Max Johnson, Haynes King, that's going to be the battle. But. Hey, I know it's early, but here in, you know, halfway through spring, it sounds like Connor Weigman's really stood out as someone that, uh, you know, deserves his name thrown into the conversation. Based on what you know, do you think that's just, you know, they're letting the, the young kid get his reps in and this will eventually get whittled down to two? Or do you think the, uh, the five-star freshman is really in this competition? Well, I'm going to I'm going to preface everything I say moving on here from the, for, with with this. And that is because of the uh, long NIT run, I haven't actually been able to get out to spring practice. The little bits and pieces of, of minutes of spring practice we've been able to see this year. Um, Robert Cessna, my my my, my uh, colleague, has been doing a lot more of the football. So I'll preface that and that I haven't really gotten to see them throw this spring yet. I will be able to at the spring game this Saturday. But that being said, I've heard the comments. I've, I've talked with people. We've, we've heard what Jimbo's had to say. And I think the thing that's actually, I, 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 this is the way I've put it. I think if you, if I was going to put my money on it, I would put my money on Haynes King because he's the guy who's been here for two years. He won the job last year. He has good dual threat ability. Um, he, he's pretty exciting. I, uh, I, I would put my money on, on Haynes King. If I was betting your money, I'd bet on Connor Wegman. 
um, because of the way that Jimbo has talked about him. I know there was a lot of conversation around the time that Quinn Ewers, the Ohio State quarterback who uh, transferred into Texas, was on the market about if Jimbo would be in the mix for that. And, and it, without mentioning Ewers, he himself kind of brought up around um, National Signing Day time the fact that Connor Wigman is his man. He thinks Connor Wigman was the best quarterback on the market in that class, you know, compared to anybody. And, and he was high on Connor Wegman the whole time. That was his dude. And um, to have a, a college coach who most college coaches ne don't necessarily like to go out on a limb and put a lot of pressure on a freshman who hasn't actually done anything in college that they'll they'll say, you know, they're, they're big, they're strong, they're this or that, but they don't necessarily want to just, um, put a lot on the shoulders. He's put a lot on Connor Wigman's shoulders so far, as far as um, saying that, that he's his guy and he's going to be his guy. And so uh, there, there's there, I think there's something to that. Um, we'll just have to see how it, it, it does shape out and who, who does step up and, and um, take the reins. But do I think that probably Haynes King's going to be under center for the first game? Yes. Do I think that it would surprise me at all if it's Connor Wegman? Not at all. Mm -hmm. Now, who do you think steps up at the receiver? I mean, we know we got Anaya Smith, who's receiver slash halfback. I mean, he's borderline All-American. But if you just look at recent history in the SEC, outside of Georgia maybe because they had such a dominant defense, but you know, you look at Alabama's and LSU's and all these teams, you really need to have some, some game breakers all across the board at the receiver position. And I know the Aggies got some guys, Euclid Brown, Moose Muhammad, they just signed a, a, an incredible five-star, Evan Stewart. Uh, which of those guys you think, uh, or, or maybe all of them, are poised for breakout seasons? And Because I think the Aggies are really going to need several of those guys to step up if they're truly going to be SEC college football playoff contenders. Yeah, I mean, they return. Uh, Caleb Chapman is a guy who at times when he's been healthy has been a really good vertical threat. I mean, you look back at the Florida game two years ago, uh, his touchdown where he actually ultimately ended up tearing his ACL. Um, he is a guy that everyone has been excited to see what he's going to be able to do. Um, Nia Smith, you mentioned, is going to be the, the bell cow of that group um, returning and, and, and what he can do out of the slot, what he can do out of the backfield. Um, he, he's just a versatile weapon. Uh, you know, Chase Lane was a guy that they leaned on a little bit last year when they had injuries and what was going on um, with, with, with some of those guys. And, and Jalen Preston is a guy that they leaned on uh, there. Uh, Moose Muhammad uh, is, a, is a redshirt sophomore, a guy that had some really great catches. But yeah, you mentioned Yul Keith Brown. I think he's going to be a guy who's really going to step up, who, who people have talked a lot about. And then you have um, uh, Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall and and uh, some of those guys get a fun. It's a big, deep group of guys. Um, the thing, there's two things that I'd like to see out of this group. Who is going to be the deep threat if, if Caleb Chapman can stay healthy? Because having a deep threat, having a guy who can get behind the defense is something that when Caleb Chapman hasn't been healthy, they haven't really necessarily had. Um, and if they're going to have a guy who is uh, tall, who is physical, um, who, who will be able to go up and get a ball, um, because that's not something they've really even necessarily had since um, you might want to even go back to Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, and he wasn't necessarily great at it when he was in college, at least um, just to have that guy who can go up and get a ball um, is something that they've kind of been lacking in years past. I know uh, Jalen Weiermeyer at tight end has been a guy who, who at times could go do that, but, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, a key part of his game. Um, so yeah, those are the two things I'm, I want to see the guy who is the, 
the the breakaway guy, and I want to see the guy who is the high point guy because those are two things that necessarily this team has been lacking. They've basically been a, a team of possession receivers um, who who can break out and be those 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 stars at those kind of roles. Now let's say Smith. Let's just technically call him a receiver, and we know we got Achain, who's incredible, incredible speed. But in the SEC, you're going to need depth at running back, uh, particularly the way Jimbo likes to run his system. So who's that next, you know, number two, number three running back for the Aggies this year with uh, the great spiller off to the NFL? The kids from uh, Miami, I believe. You got LJ Johnson. You got Amari Daniels, um, who are two highly, highly recruited guys, highly thought of guys um, who, who got some time last year. Those are going to be the guys to, to, to spell him um and and work through that i but there there are um freshmen and redshirt freshmen and a sophomore and so it'll be interesting to see who steps up in that second position who's going to be um the the change of pace guy and and if someone steps up because then they might have to lean on devon a chain um a lot more than probably they would like so those are going to be the two guys to look out for to see um who's going to step up lj johnson's a little bit more of the physical back and so I would that would probably be why I'd give him the nod because A chain has the speed uh, and and the elusiveness. So if you want to give a little change of pace, a uh, third down back, LJ Johnson is probably going to be that guy. Now you reference uh, the new defensive coordinator DJ Durkin. I've heard Jimbo say you know they they're not going to reinvent the defense. It's played they've been so good on that side of the ball. Uh, what do you think? You know any changes there are to the A and M defense uh, with DJ Durkin running the show? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest question early on before we talked to Jimbo was, is he going to run a three-man front or is he going to run a four-man front? Uh, and Jimbo, like you said, said they're, they're going to stick with that four-man front. So I think it's going to be pretty close to what they've had uh, in that basically a 4-2-5 um, or, or a 4-3 or a, a, a four, uh, four um, with a nickel back, you know, with some nickel packages, whatever you kind of want to call it. But um, yeah, I, I think that the, the what, what would seem like the biggest question mark is going to be the defensive line because, of course, they lose Tyree Johnson, DeMarvin Leal, Jaden Peavy, Michael Clemens, um, all the starting four. But they, they have a deep rotation there, and that's just going to get um, uh, filled in with uh, you know, Shamar Turner in the middle, uh, McKinley Jackson in the middle, um, Fahil Diggs is a guy, uh, uh, Jason Harris is a guy who can be at the defensive end. There's probably a little bit more question marks at the uh, the edge rushers um, than than the middle of the field because then behind that you've got uh, Isaiah Rakes uh, who has some uh, some experience. You have Walter Nolan, the the number two guy in the nation who can step right in and probably is going to see times. And then you have you know they brought in what was that? I believe it was five five star defensive linemen uh, in this class, and so. Uh, Gabriel Brownlow, Dindy, uh, uh, Anthony Lucas, uh, Shamar Stewart, uh, and I white, any of those guys could step in at any time and, and see what they can do as a freshman. So while it seems like a big question mark, losing four guys, man, they, they reloaded, they didn't, they're not rebuilding there. Uh, and then just to kind of see what, um, the, the, um, uh, linebacker situation looks like because probably it's going to be Edron Cooper, Chris Russell, guys who were rotating in, they lose Aaron Hansford, who is, uh, kind of the main guy there due to graduation. But yeah, I mean, again, you look across the board, it's a lot of reloading, not necessarily rebuilding uh, because most of the guys who are stepping in to positions where the guys that have, have uh, left off is are guys with a lot of experience. So um, just getting adjusted to those new roles, but the defense looks like, again, it's going to be one of the strengths of the, the program. 
Yeah, and the Aggies probably added another five-star lineman since we've had been on this call. But <laughs> let me ask you about the secondary. Do you think it's going to be the best secondary uh, that you've seen uh, since you're, you've been covering the Aggies? It's going to be up there. Um, yeah, because the secondary hasn't necessarily been some of the strong suits in, in, in the past six years or so. It's definitely going to be one of the most experienced secondaries. Um, you know, I, I think you, you lose a, a gamer in, in Leon O'Neal, but uh, Antonio Johnson has proven he's, he is going to be great. Jalen Jones has a ton of experience. Um, you have Damani Richardson coming back, uh, uh, who, who is a, a, a veteran uh, safety. And so uh, Tyreek Chapel and Deuce Harmon were guys who got uh, um, lots of work at cornerback too because of um, injuries throughout the season. So it is... Uh, I will see, like to see how they they all mesh together, but it is certainly the most experienced, I believe, defensive secondary that AM has had in the last six years or so. All right, last thing for you, Travis. I really appreciate all your time. I don't know if you've seen it. I put it out there, and we touched on it um, on Monday's edition of the show, but uh, the Wind Casino in Las Vegas, they were the first ones to put out the over-under wind totals for uh, SEC West teams, and they've got the Aggies at 9 now, you said, I don't want to put your money on it. Let's say you're putting my money on it. Are you going <laughs> over for the Aggies, which would mean 10, 10 and 2 or better? Or are you going under, which would be another disappointing 8 and 4 type campaign for uh, Jimbo and company? Man, uh, you know, that's, that, that's interesting. I, I, you know, I think they have it pretty darn close to right because – you, you the, the Aggies go uh, to Alabama this year, um, which is, you know, always a tough one they, they, to, to go to Tuscaloosa. They're also, I don't know what Auburn's going to present, but they're at Auburn. And again, that's a, a, a um, series that they have not had a whole lot of success winning on the road in Auburn. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... Man, I think nine is about right because I don't think I would put them beating all, uh, Alabama this year. Um, but I, I don't think that there's anyone else on the schedule that they necessarily couldn't beat. I think Ole Miss is an interesting one, but it's at home. And they have Florida at home, but that's a new head coach. Um, man, I, I'm going to put it right at the push. I'm going to put it at nine because I think that's about about right. Okay, yeah, you're a smart man. These hey, Vegas knows what they're doing. You know what I mean. So <laughs> that is a great number. But hey, I I appreciate all your time, Travis. Give him a follow at Travis underscore L underscore Brown, and check out all the outstanding work he does for the Bryan College Station Eagle. Thank you so much for uh, for dropping some A and M knowledge on us. You got it. Anytime, man.